Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion. Thanks for downloading. So we're going to continue our preview of the ACC with our look at the Coastal Division and wrap up the conference with our picks for Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, First Coach Fired, and Rookie of the Year. Enjoy. So let's move over to the Coastal. And in the Coastal, um, we uh, surprised – well, not necessarily surprising – uh, the worst team in the Coastal is pretty much hands down UVA. Uh, Virginia is is going to have a they're going to have a rough season. I think there, there's sort of no way around it. Um, but uh, they hired Bronco Mendenhall from BYU, and what a lot of people thought was sort of an interesting move. Not necessarily a bad move, but just not exactly a name you ever expected to leave BYU for Virginia. So, Josh, what is uh, what is Bronco bringing from uh, from uh, Provo out to Charlottesville? I think the biggest thing he's bringing is head coaching experience and knowledge of how to run a program in a way that Mike London never really did. London came from FCS uh, and it was a rather brief FCS career, but it was, he had enough wins in a short amount of time that Virginia took the jump with him. And you just saw recruiting was a mess he just couldn't run a big-time program. Uh, Mendenhall doesn't have that problem. He's also a really, really good defensive coach. The problem is that BYU had consistent quarterback play, and a lot of that was on his quarterback's coach and his offensive coordinator, neither of which are with him in Charlottesville. They also have a big issue with talent, on defense that even Mendenhall can't correct. They were dead last in the ACC last year in scoring defense. Um, my one positive for them, got to give some love to Taquan Mazel. He's a solid running back. I think he would start for a lot of these ACC clubs, but he's uh, he's sitting up for the Cavaliers. And I got to be honest, unlike Boston College, who has an easy schedule and could navigate themselves to a, a 13th game, I don't think the Cavs even sniff a bowl game. Their lack of talent is, is appalling. Their schedule does them no favors. It includes a non-conference game at Oregon. Um, it's just – I think, honestly, all things considered, I think if they can snag two conference wins and win three of their non-conference games other than Oregon, if they go five and seven, that feels like – you know, job well done, a big round of applause, because the ceiling, that's the ceiling on this team. They've got so many issues. Uh, um, I, I would, if I was a Cavs fan, I would take five and seven in a heartbeat, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, you, you said, I mean, you have to quite as hell. Um, I, I think Bronco Mendenhall, I think that's the one positive that Virginia does have. I think Bronco Mendenhall is a guy that's had tremendous success at BYU, and, and I was kind of shocked that he even took the job cross country, but I guess he wanted the challenge. Well, the challenge he got, I think it's it, it, it's going to be a huge mess. And, and you said it, you alluded to it. You're exactly right. He, he inherited a mess that may take three years to clean up before he can even start getting the wagon going. He, he's got to clean up the mess around. He's got to fix the broken 
Axel. He's got to buy more oxen. He's got to buy more food. He, uh, I think Virginia attempted to, to ford the river, and they got swept away. And uh, <laughs> is having to rebuild that wagon so that he can press on. So um, I, I think it's just one of those things where Virginia fans, you got the right guy. Uh, you have the right guy. Now don't run him off. You have the right guy. Don't run him off. He will be successful there. It may take some time, but he will experience some success. And if you go five and seven, I think that's a that's a that's a dream scenario. I think that's something you can look at and, and point to as a successful season. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, moving on up um, is uh, we are moving. To the uh, to that uh, deluxe apartment in the sky, uh, number six in the coastal, a team who last year we were touting as easily a top twenty-five team, and oh how the mighty have fallen! The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Paul Johnson uh, went from being one of the hottest coaching names in the country to being on the hot seat. Um, but at least they got Justin Thomas back, who last year was my pick for ACC Offensive Player of the Year, and I got absolutely blowed up by that. They were terrible last year. So, um, but Paul Johnson, you know, more triple option, and uh, what's going to happen in Atlanta there, Josh? We mentioned Justin Thomas. He was fantastic two years ago. Can he regain that swagger in year three as a starter? Uh, you mentioned Paul Johnson, and I got to say, this dude – doesn't lose. Last year was his first under 500 year since 2010, and it's just the third of his entire career at three schools dating back to 1997. It was his first under 500 league mark while in Atlanta, as his clubs had won four, at least four games every year previously. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame coach. I trust he'll sort this out. And they have P.J. Davis quarterback in the defense. That being said, I don't think they compete for a division crown this year. Too many concerns with the offensive line. And outside of Davis and that linebacking core, the rest of the defense is a little bit of a question mark. Um, but they'll be a bowl team, and they're going to turn around. And the reason why is Atlanta, and I foreshadowed this a few teams ago, Atlanta is a nasty road trip, even in a down year. Last season, they won three games. They stunned Florida State and Bobby Dodd, and then they had one possession losses to North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, and Georgia. They're very, very frisky at home. They'll take advantage of those home games. Um, they, look, they, if everything clicks, they could even stun this division and make it to the title game because their, their, their schedule is pretty favorable uh, they have a possibility to go 6-2 and two in league. Um, more realistically, I don't think they'll do that. And I think the, a lot of the, these teams in this division will beat each other up. But I think they'll make a bowl game, and Paul Johnson will be super safe. He had one down year. So oh. give him right. Well, Paul Johnson's super safe anyway because they can't afford to fire him. So uh, they can't afford his buyout. So he's safe <laughs> anyway. But – um, I, I think, I, to be honest, I, I think there's two two big glaring issues that's catching up to Paul Johnson. Uh, one, Ted Roof's defense was picked apart last season. Uh, I think teams had their way with the Georgia Tech defense, but they do return a lot of guys. They do have a lot of experience over there now, so maybe a year uh, makes a huge difference. Uh, Justin Thomas, I don't know where he was, sophomore slump, I guess, or uh, whatever 
I don't know what grade he's in, but I don't know what, what year he is in college, but he was a second-year starter. So maybe it's like the second-year starter slump or whatever. I don't know. But he was he was on a different planet last year. Um, if he plays any even halfway better than he played last year, I think Georgia Tech's a, a 7-5 and five bowl team. I think that their offense can be potent enough to, to do some damage. Uh, they had a couple plays. They had a couple explosive plays last last season against Florida State that were called back. Uh, Justin Thomas, I think, had an 80-yard run when uh, they ran triple option and he kept it. the uh, The safety the safety went down for the pitch, and and uh, Justin Thomas just beat the beat the linebacker to the corner and uh, and took it to the house 80 yards. Got called back for a hold, and uh, and I think they ended up. I think they ended up kicking a field goal in that drive. I think they ended up uh, getting the first down and driving down the field. But um, it's just things got to get better. And uh, the other thing about Paul Johnson, I think, is catching up with him is that his stubbornness. Right? He, he he's stubborn in the fact that he won't tweak his offense to make adjustments to the, to fit his needs, to fit his personnel, and to fit what the defense is going to give him. I don't think he's making enough tweaks. Also, I don't think he's recruiting well enough. And I think that's starting to catch up with him now. I think the numbers are starting to catch up with him now. I don't think they have a full roster right now of scholarship guys. I think a lot of walk-ons have got scholarships. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see. I know I know somebody personally that, that accepted a preferred walk-on scholarship and might actually get scholarship money here pretty soon um, because of the numbers they might have. He, he went down there as an A-back. I actually coached him um, his sophomore year. Um, at Father Ryan, and he did a did a heck of a job. He did a tremendous job for me um, in a limited role. So, um, you know, good luck to him. But Paul Johnson, is, he's just gotta he just gotta let go and, and just do his thing. And I think he'll be okay. I think he'll get back to what he's used to. Um, but if you don't recruit in this league, it's going to catch up to you. Even if you run an offense that takes advantage of a lack of talent. If there's too big of a gap in talent, it don't matter. That's why Navy never beats never beats Alabama because there's too big of, there's too big of a talent gap. They can overcome it. When your dive guy can take the dive, put his feet in the ground, turn around, go take the quarterback. And if the quarterback pitches, take the pitch for a two yard gain. You're in trouble. You know, I think when you have guys that athletic. And that size that can run, that can probably take away all three options by themselves, which is some of the talent that Florida State and Clemson have, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And if you don't recruit guys that's similar, that can, that can really put those guys in a bind and that can really make those guys pay for trying to be a hero, then you're not going to win with this offense. But if you can, then this offense is very nasty. But if there's too big of a talent gap, then you're just, you're just screwed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, 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 you know, we'll see. I mean, they'll probably bounce back somewhat this year. Last year, only one win in conference, and that is something you just don't see out of Paul Johnson. So, uh, keeping it moving, it's time for the Dukies! Um, we're not sure um, if Thomas, no relation to Douglas Sirk, will be back. Uh, he ruptured his Achilles um, during off-season workouts, and so... Uh, you know, they're not, you know, the, the David Cutcliffe and staff are not sure if he's going to be back. He's obviously the biggest part of their offense last year, uh, threw for over 2,500 yards, also the team's leading rusher. So, um, you know, Josh, what are we looking at um, for the Blue Devils? 
and it comes down to Thomas Herc's status. He just said it. He was the leading rusher. He was a really solid thrower. Without him, they, they could be doomed, honestly. Uh, with him, we know what Duke is. They'll be a very competitive team. Probably not good enough to make a title game, but certainly a bullbound team, 7-8 win, somewhere around there. Um, other concerns I have about the Blue Devils, the defensive line is completely unknown. Uh, the secondary and linebacking core are pretty good, but um, they, they struggled at getting sacks last year ago. Yeah, and, they they struggled, have, and they have to replace Jeremy Cash, who they're All-American safety. Yeah, yeah so there, there's some issues, certainly, um, with their defense. Um, but they do have Devon Edwards. I think he's talented enough to be a defensive MVP, um, regardless of if he wins that, the Devils, like you said, they, they need him to play up to that because of the, their other departures. But um, that was a lot of doom and gloom for a team that we're picking middle middle of the middle. Division. So why did we do that? Yeah, so why did we pick them? I think it's because home dates against North Carolina Central, Wake, Virginia, Army, and Tech. That's five really good chances at a win right there. Yeah, not to mention at this point, I think, you know, we, we've, got some, we've got some faith in David Cutcliffe. Exactly. Um, they travel to Northwestern, a team that I think will slide this year, so that's a winnable game. They host North Carolina, their big rival, so late in the season that Cirque should be back for that one, which means that Duke will have a big edge in quarterback play. Um, so with a fully healthy Cirque, like I said, this is, this is going to be a team that just is just outside the, the ability to make it to the title game but a solid, solid bowl game. And, yeah, Cutcliffe, he's got this thing rolling. All right. Coach, I know you're a big fan of Cutcliffe, too. I love Dave Cutcliffe. I, I'm, I'm glad he left Tennessee because um, he gave George just so many fits that uh, it just it makes, you, makes you want to pull your hair out. I, I think Ole Miss did him wrong. Uh, I think he would have been very successful at Ole Miss. Um, they ran him off. Uh, Virginia fans don't do that. It's Bronco Mendenhall. Um, <laughs> know what he got. All right, Ole Miss didn't know what they had in David Cutcliffe. They let him go because Ole Miss thought they were they were uh, they had all this tradition of winning national championships. And uh, I don't know, last time I checked, they hadn't won a whole lot of them. So um, I don't know if they've won any actually, but um, they haven't been really good since Archie Manning. And then they they took about a 32 year hiatus back when uh, when Eli was a quarterback, and then they took another hiatus, and now they're good again. But um, and David Cutcliffe was part of that. that it's, almost, it's almost like Georgia and Ole Miss are rivals. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know, but I mean, he's been a, he's a, he was a long time offensive coordinator at Tennessee, so I was glad to see him go. But uh, anyway, I mean, what, what you're getting with Cutcliffe? I mean, you talk about a brilliant football mind. I mean, that guy could probably make me successful at quarterback, to be honest with you. But um, you know, you look at. You look at what he's been able to do at a program like Duke. I mean, they haven't had that type of success since, since the brief run they had with Spurrier. And, and you know, Duke fans are, you know, you, know, you got to watch out for Duke fans. Now they're going to be all spoiled about football. You know, they're already spoiled basketball. They're going to be spoiled a little bit with football. But I still think this year, uh, I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. I think they are. Uh, I think they're kind of a middle-of-the-pack team um, in this conference. I think realistically – uh, you have Miami, you have uh, Pitt, you have North Carolina as your as your teams to uh, to compete in this division. Um, so, and that's no knock on Duke. I think Duke's a heck of a ball club, but I just think that they they have too much, too many concerns 
um, to overcome. But I think they're I think they're well coached to play hard enough to be a middle of the road type team. Definitely. Well, um, you know, moving on from uh, David Cutcliffe, who's been there for eight years, to a school breaking in a new coach for the first time um, in 30 years is the Virginia Tech Hokies, who bring in Justin Fuente after the retirement of legend Frank Beamer. Lucky for Fuente, uh, longtime Virginia Tech defensive coordinator Bud Foster is staying on. So, don't expect a lot, uh, a big dip there in um, in Blacksburg on the defensive side of the ball. But Josh, can uh, can Fuente bring some of that uh, Memphis magic he had with Paxton Lynch last year um, to the Hokies? Yeah, let me just say the the good people of Hokie Nation, uh, welcome to the 21st century. Uh, as revolutionary as Beamer was with Vic, his offenses just got so stereotypically old mannish. The last few years won't have that problem with Fuente. Uh, he knows quarterbacks. He coached Andy Dalton, Paxton Lynch. They're pretty good. And uh, the quarterback situation isn't quite settled in Blacksburg yet, but we do know that whoever wins that job will get to throw the ball to Isaiah Ford, who's the absolute real deal at wideout. You mentioned Bud Foster. We know he can coach that defense, but um, in terms of the talent, it's a little thin um, in terms of their depth. So an injury or two on that defense is really going to hurt them. Um, Foster knows that stuff, but, you know, he, he can only play the hand that's dealt to him, and I'm not sure he was given a very very good hand this year. Um, but Hokies are going to start 3-1 and one pretty easily, and that just means 3-5 and five over their final eight to get to a bowl game. I'm sure their their sights are set a little higher, but I'm still concerned about that defense, and I'm still a little concerned about quarterback play. Um, so I don't think they can compete for the divisional crown. But I keep mentioning a lot of bold teams. The ACC has a ton, ton of teams that are going to go six and six, seven and five, eight and four, right around there. I, I think everyone but. Virginia has a path to a bowl game, and the Hokies are certainly one of them, especially with four returning offensive linemen. Well, they have Purdue on their schedule, so it can't be that bad. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you return four starters on offense, uh, not a very experienced team coming in, but you do have the leadership of, of Isaiah Ford. Um, it's going to be one of those seasons where I think Justin Fuente is a good enough coach to get them to a bowl game in this transition year. I think you're going to see an uptick in their recruiting. I think uh, for Virginia Tech to be good, they're going to need to take over that mid-Atlantic recruiting area. They're going to need to dominate their state. They're going to need they're going to need to go in there into Maryland. They're going to need to go into Ohio. They're going to need to come down here in the southeast a little bit um, in order to get a get a hold on recruiting and get those elite guys to buy in. Uh, at Virginia Tech. I mean, there's there's a ton of talent. I mean, they could come into Georgia, uh, not even mess with guys being being uh, that are committed to Georgia. They could come into Atlanta, sign seven guys, and not even not even tick on the radar in the state of Georgia. That's how loaded the state of Georgia is. They can do the same in the state of Florida. They can come into the Tennessee Midstate, which which uh, uh, Professor, you saw some of the talent that that's around the, the Tennessee Midstate area. Uh, the national area, um, and, and there's there's a good bit of talent uh, starting to build in, in this part of the 
part of the state, which we're not very far. I say we uh, as, as a state of Tennessee, we're not very far uh, as a mid-state region from Blacksburg. I mean, it's not a, it's not a terrible trip. I think it's what eight hours, which uh, in the grand scheme of things, you think Virginia, and you think it's so far up north, but it's really not that far away. So um, they have some recruiting hotbeds that, for whatever reason, under Beamer, they they have just let kind of go by the wayside, and they've let they've let other teams kind of come in there and and pick those things apart. So I think you're going to see a really good battle in the state of Virginia for recruits between Bronco Mendenhall and Justin Fuente. I think the state of I think the state of Virginia definitely took a big W in the coaching hire uh, category. I think both schools in both the flagship schools in Virginia made huge significant upgrades at the head coaching position. Um, they're just going to, well, Bronco Mendenhall is going to need more than just a year, but I think, I think, I think in about a year they will contend. And in two years, I think you're going to be talking about Virginia tech being legit contenders. And I think it's going to get back to that old big East rivalry between Virginia Tech and Miami with Mark Ricks and Justin Fuente. Definitely, yeah. And, you know, one guy I really I really like on the squad is uh, tight end Bucky Hodges. Don't know how he wasn't a Badger, but um, <laughs> he's a mammoth, you know, 6'7", 250. Uh, guy turned down the NFL last year to come back for his senior year. Uh, expect that guy to be, you know, an all-conference, all-America type tight end, especially with the amount they're going to throw the ball now. So uh, things are definitely uh, looking up in Blacksburg. Um from Blacksburg off to Chapel Hill, uh, we now get the number three team in the Atlantic, according to a legal motion, and that is the UNC Tar Heels. Um, Larry Fedora, um, for all of the craziness that has gone on in the academic world at UNC with all the players, they've had a, you know, a, a pretty talented team over the last couple of years. Now, Josh, I know you're someone who usually has been uh, traditionally a little bit more down on UNC. So what do you see from them this year? I love... Elijah Hood and some of the friends he's bringing with him. Uh, we've talked a lot about running backs, Dalvin Cook, Gelman, uh, list a few others at non-contenders, but Hood very, re- very really could be the best running back in that league. He's that good. That's um, uh, UNC also has a lot of receivers, including Ryan Switzer, and they have a stacked offensive line. But how in the world do they replace starting quarterback Marquise Williams? That's, that's my big concern. Uh, another concern of mine, secondary to their quarterback question, is Gene Chizik did wonders with the defense last year, and that was, frankly, stunning for most of us. But can he repeat that act after a ton of departures? We know Clemson has the recruiting to just plug and play. Florida State has the recruiting to just plug and play. Does Chizik have – as good of players as he did last year. So um, I love this Carolina team. They're definitely a contender for this division. Um, I just didn't pick them because they don't have a proven quarterback and the turnover on defense. And let's be honest, the schedule game didn't really do them any favors. Uh, Obviously they have to take on Pitt and Miami, but their crossover game is with North Carolina state who's decent and in Tallahassee. So that's a pretty tough stretch to make it two years in a row to the ACC title game with, with a schedule they have. But I think more realistically, they're going to be an eight or nine win team that just demolishes someone in their bowl game. Cause they're a lot better talent, talent wise than eight or nine wins. 
their schedule just doesn't set up very well for them. No, and, and the fact that they're non-conference openers in the Georgia Dome against against Georgia is uh, is another tough game uh, for them. It's a tough game for Georgia. I mean, I think it's to be honest, I think it's a very uh, talent-wise, I think it might be one of the more evenly matched games. You know, you have a lot of unproven talent coming into that opening ball game. So I'm going to be looking forward to seeing what North Carolina has to showcase in that game. And I tell what, and this is a message to all the defensive coordinators around the league and all the non-conference uh, opponent defensive coordinators, you better have an answer for Elijah Hood. You better have an answer for Elijah Hood. Even I, I think he's a one of those backs that even if you do try to stack an eight-man box, I think between him and that veteran offensive line, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're, you're, he's going to make you wrong no matter what you do. Uh, he's very talented. He, he is he's a tremendous guy, and if it weren't for Dalvin Cook, he might be the top guy in this conference. But, of course, you know, you're looking at Dalvin Cook. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I look at this conference, and I look at the running back position, and I see a lot of talent. It, at that position, I mean, three names that jump out at me right now, Dalvin Cook, Elijah Hood, Juan Mazzell, um, and then you look at uh, some of the other guys that are extremely talented that that we've talked about throughout the podcast. You know, I could take I could take 15 minutes and go back and name, name through them, but uh, I just want you guys to listen. So, um, you know, there's a lot of talent in that position. I mean, you, if you can, in a conference, name three guys off the top of your head, that means it's a pretty – it made chances are it's a pretty talented group. So, um, and especially with and well, and to your question, Matt, about you know, I I've been down on Larry Fedoro, no doubting that, but we we have hammered him, Josh. I mean, I, I've, I've been as tough on him as anybody. Yeah, I, I'm and, I was wrong about that. Yeah, well, I think the reason we hammered him um, is honestly he showed no interest in improving defense at all. And when it finally bit him in the butt with some underachieving seasons, he went out and got Gene Chizik. And so the biggest item to critique him about, he's corrected. And so now it's all systems go at North Carolina. We've always felt that with that recruiting area, this could be a sleeping giant. They made it to the ACC title game a year ago. They're a contender to do it again. The ship has turned around. Tar Heels are here to stay. Well, especially if they don't make you go to classes, then they can get anyone into school that they want. Well, you know, um, you know, uh, two quick things, then we'll move on. Uh, first, Josh, you mentioned Ryan Switzer. He might be the best returner in the entire country in terms of punt returns. Uh, he's already taken a couple to his to the house last year, um, and he, and, you know, over his career, he has he's taken seven kicks to the house. And so this guy is so dangerous. Seems nice. Like- I saw him in person in a really funny way. Um, one of my friends has a mission to try and see every uh, football stadium, and I've been more of an enabler than talking him out of it. And we went to a road trip with uh, South Carolina and Clemson in their opening weekend because one was playing on the Thursday and one was playing on the Saturday. And uh, South Carolina was hosting North Carolina, and it was Switzer's first game as a freshman. And, man, you could just feel it. Like, every time he got the punt return, it, it seemed like he went about 10 yards. But if he had gotten just 
a little bit bigger window, he was going to go for 100. He was yeah. that good. He's a beast. And they return, you know, five of their top six offensive linemen from last year. You know I love good line play and good continuity. They had their best offensive line group in the history of that school last year. I expect more of the same to continue. But another school that should have a good offensive line um, is jo- – is- Josh, team, you're super high on. That is the Pitt Panthers. Pat Narduzzi coming into his second year. Josh, Narduzzi was your favorite hire uh, at the beginning of last year. Uh, you still feel the same way about that? Still feel the same way about that. Pittsburgh is my pick to win this division and come up just short against Florida State. That's previewing when we wrap up this pod. But you got to start with the running backs galore. They have Quadre Olison back. He was a 1,000-yard rusher a year ago. Darren Hill is one of those old-timey kind of like jitterbug-type running backs where he dances around a little bit, breaks a tackle. Uh, he's fun to watch. And, oh, yeah, James Conner is uh, cancer-free. So this is an embarrassment of riches. I think Pitt will have the best running team in the league. I'm not sure anyone will have more yards than Dalvin Cook. I think Pittsburgh will be the best running team. He also enjoys steady quarterback play from senior Nathan Peterman. He completed 60% of his passes last year, 20 touchdowns, just eight interceptions. They have the best offensive line in the division, probably second only to Florida State for the entire league. Narduzzi's defense jumped up the rankings a year ago, as you would expect in his first year, despite no superstars. Now that we've seen them, we realize Pitt has some real proven talent over there. They have Ewan Price, who could turn out to be the best pass-rushing defensive end in the division, maybe even in the league. My one question with Pittsburgh is, will Peterman be as good without Tyler Boyd, the really, really good wide receiver? Uh, They also have road trips to Chapel Hill, Miami, and Clemson. It'll force Pitt to earn this division. But between the questions with the heels quarterback situation – and we're going to be talking about Miami's offensive line here shortly. I think Pitt can split those two divisional games, if not sweep them. Miami and Carolina might have higher ceilings than Pitt, but Pitt has by far the highest floor because they have the fewest questions about them. And for the record, I have them beating Penn State too. I love this team. I love what Narduzzi's doing. Yes, absolutely, man. I I just, I can't, you know, I'm always positive. I'm always upbeat, and, and you guys know that. And, and I could probably be accused of finding the good in anybody, even Boston College, Matt. But, um, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Pat Narduzzi. I think he's done a tremendous job. Uh, he, he comes in and and just really just lifts that pit, that pit program to a new level. I mean, that, that program was what uh, – what you would consider a mediocre meddling, just uh, middling, I should say, middling, uh, just kind of middle of the road, always going to be kind of that middle of the road, just, I don't know, just never seem to get over the hump type program. Um, but you, you bring in Pat Narduzzi, offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, um, and, and it's just things have gone uphill, you know, and they have a embarrassment of riches at running back. I can't believe I forgot this bunch, James Conner, Quadri, Allison, um, just two right there that jump out of, jump out of the page. Um, my concerns uh, for this team, of course, outside of the schedule, I think being thin at linebacker and defensive line uh, doesn't give you a whole lot to work with, even for a defensive expert like Pat Narduzzi. Um, so if they get a couple of injuries, they might be in some big trouble. 
So here's some of their rankings, though. They were, uh, you know, on offense, they were 68th in scoring, 44 in rushing, 99 in passing for a total rank of 85th over or 82nd overall in total offense. Defense, they were ranked 57th in scoring, 40th in rushing, 54th in passing, and 37 total defense. So they're they're not a very they're not a very deep bunch, but they are a very talented bunch on that side of the ball. And uh, I really like what they can do. And if they can get through that run of of a tough schedule, I believe that you might be looking at Pitt as being the representative. I mean they they've got their work cut out for them. I think it, uh, again it's a three team race between Miami Pitt and uh, North Carolina. So it's going to come down to experience. It's going to come down to running the ball. And I, and Elijah Hood is as good as it gets, but so is James Carter. So is James Connor. And so is Quadri Collison. So um, I, I really like this pit team. I think they're going to do some things. They're definitely a contender. It's just a matter of, can they get, uh, can they get through the gauntlet of Virginia tech at Miami and at Clemson? If they can yeah. get through that gauntlet right there, um, two really tough road games. I think they might uh, be in good shape. Yeah, you know, one guy that I just want to note um, on that pit squad on the defensive side of the ball is Jordan Whitehead, who I talked about Derwin James at Florida State earlier. Uh, Jordan Whitehead, guy in the same mold. He, he plays a little bit of everything, plays safety, linebacker, corner, wherever they need him, he lines up. You know, a lot like Jabril Peppers. He's even played a little bit of offense, too. Last year's ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year. Expect really big things in his sophomore year from him. But uh, we need to get to the top, and that is where um, Mark Richt goes back to his alma mater. Um, and after being uh, summarily dismissed from uh, Georgia, uh, landed right back on his feet and has already started, you know, doing really well in recruiting and gets Brad Kaya back. And Brad Kaya is one of the top quarterbacks in the country. So, uh, Josh, uh, last year he Kaya was your pick for uh, ACC Offensive Player of the Year. What do you see for him this year? Yeah, expect him to bring more of the same. He's a veteran quarterback. His raw talent is better than Peterman's. Kaya is probably the best quarterback in the division and just a hair maybe behind uh, a pretty good kid, kid over at Clemson. Uh, one of the things that helps Kaya – they have a solid running back trio, and he's got wide receiver Stacey Colley to throw to. Really, really good tight ends at Miami as well. Here's the problem. That O-line has been a colander in front of them. I'm not sure that they're going to improve that much. It's almost like a Penn State situation where that line has been so bad for so long that something's just not right. And I'm not sure Rick can correct it overnight, and that's why I didn't pick Miami to win the division. Another concern I have is uh, Manny Diaz is a pretty good defensive coordinator, but the star power on that side of the ball is not what you expect from the U due to a departure of of a pair of ACC defensive backs off to the NFL. uh, I'm just not sure that D is championship caliber. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. Um, But the biggest plus, and this might be why you guys picked them to win the division, I don't know, but Really favorable schedule. Um, they host North Carolina and Pitt. So they're, they're two biggest competitors for their division crown. Have to travel to South Beach. Perhaps now that Golden's gone, maybe they can pack that stadium again. It'll never be the OB. I'm so disgusted that they tore that down for that ugly-ass baseball stadium. But if the Canes fans can't show up for Mark Richt, then I don't know how this program can ever return to their glory years. Uh, They also host Florida State, so their toughest crossover game is also 
a home game. Um, when you have all your big games at home, that can definitely prove to be the difference maker in the standings. And like I said, the, the Canes have more questions than Pitt and Carolina combined, but they have a very, very high ceiling despite that dangerously low floor. You know, I'll tell you who hates this hire uh, at Miami is Georgia Tech. Mark Rick owns Georgia Tech. I think he lost, I believe he lost twice to them in his 15 years at Georgia. He owns Georgia Tech, so I think they're, they are not thrilled with that hire. But uh, the reason I picked them uh, is because the weapons that they have on offense, uh, Joe Yearby, Stacey Colley, uh, Brad Kaya, also, I think that when you return some of the front seven guys on defense that that uh, were difference makers for you, like Al Qadim Muhammad, he had eight and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. You also have um, defensive end Chad Thomas, who comes in as a former five-star recruit. Uh, he had uh, he had 18 tackles a season ago, but he was a part-time starter. He didn't really play a whole lot, but he did get some experience. Corn Elder comes back in the defensive backfield. Jermaine Grace, one young, looks solid at linebacker. Um, I, I think you have a, a talented bunch over there. It's a and, and then everybody else is kind of inexperienced. I think you have uh, a top newcomer, Shaquille Quarterman, true freshman, early enrollee. Uh, is going to walk right into a starting role. So you got to like that. Uh, you got to like the, uh, a freshman like that stepping up for the for the Canes. But anytime you give Mark Rick an experienced quarterback, he's going to win the division. And he's shown that. He did it with Aaron Murray. He did it with Matt Stafford. He did it with David Green. So, you know, I, I think Brad Kaya is going to fall right into that category. I think Mark Rick is finally involved in calling the play. So, I, so, so there's got to be an uptick there. Joe Yearby is going to get it, get it rolling. He's going to rush for probably 1,400 yards, and he's going to be the difference maker on, on, on Miami's team. Yeah, uh, you know, one guy uh, you just uh, mentioned there, Coach, was Corn Elder, and he's another guy from Middle Tennessee, a guy you coached against at uh, Emsworth. Um, yeah. And yeah. He, he was a real talented two-sport athlete in high school, and he is, you know, I've been talking about returners a lot in the ACC because they got some really great ones. Corn Elder was absolutely phenomenal last year, about 14 yards per return on punts and about 34 yards uh, per, per kick return. Um, which is an outstanding average. So he is a real weapon in uh, the return game. And so, you know, we'll, we'll be uh, looking out uh, looking out for him. They've also got um, a couple really, uh, really solid uh, kickers, Michael Bagley and Justin Vogel. Uh, Bagley is going to be on the short list for the Lou Groza this year. So um, I really like this Miami team too, but Josh, you hit the nail on the head with the concern. It's that offensive line. They need to get back to the days of, um, you know, having those, you know, big all-American type tackles, some road graders. So, um, but yeah, we've got Miami as the number one team uh, in the Coastal. So, uh, Josh, why don't you run down your two divisions real quick and then give us your champ as well as your individual awards. For sure. I got Florida State edging out Clemson, uh, Louisville competing, but just off the pace. North Carolina State making a bowl game. Syracuse, Wake making a bowl game, but actually finishing behind Syracuse in the standings. Again, Cuse has a much tougher schedule. Boston College bringing up their rear, but might sniff a bowl game. Pittsburgh winning my coastal Miami, North Carolina right there. They might even tie for the same record in league. 
Uh, Virginia Tech, Duke, Georgia Tech, all making bowl games as well. They might not have pretty skit, pretty records, but they'll be in a 13th game. And Virginia bring up the rear in the coastal. My champ is Florida State over Pittsburgh. My offensive player of the year is Deshaun Watson, who's going to put up some ridiculous numbers and head to New York City. Uh, my defensive player of the year, I'm going to go, as much as I love Whitehead at Pittsburgh, I'm going to go with his teammate, Ewan Price. I think he puts together a season similar to what Ryan Nesbitt did, or Nassib, excuse me, Ryan Nassib did at Penn State a year ago where he's going to lead the league in sacks. I think he's that kind of a pass rusher. As a result, my coach of the year will be Narduzzi. My freshman or rookie of the year, whatever you want to call it, uh, Dexter Alexander down there at Clemson. And first fired for me, there's a lot of new coaches at some of the, uh, the weaker schools, so it's hard to really pick one, but it seems like a two-way battle between Clawson and Adazio. And I'm sorry, Adazio, you have not shown me enough to, to have me thinking that you can keep your job. All right, how about you, Coach? All right, well, uh, I like in the Atlantic Division, Florida State's going to win it. Clemson's going to finish runner-up. Louisville's third, NC State fourth. Wake Forest, I think by virtue of an easy schedule, is going to be fifth. Then you have Syracuse and Boston College. In the Coastal, I like Miami, Pitt, UNC. Then I like Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Duke, Virginia, and That's I, I ran out of teams. So my player of the year is going to be my player of the year is going to be Dalvin Cook. My defensive player of the year is going to be Devontae Fields from Louisville. I think he's going to lead the conference in sacks, maybe even contend in the, in the uh, entire country for sacks. Uh, I like my coach of the year is going to be Pat Narduzzi. He's going to make a run at the division championship, but he's not going to quite get there. So I like Pat Narduzzi um, as my coach of the year. I think he's edging out Mark Richt for coach. Well, actually, no, you know what? Mark Richt is my coach of the year because he wins the uh, he wins his division uh, in year one. Uh, my incoming rookie of the year, you got to go up front. You got to go with the big six four, three hundred twenty seven pound defensive tackle uh, coming in as a freshman from Wake Forest, North Carolina, Dexter Lawrence. Um, and then I'd have to give that a slight edge over a cornerback from Virginia Beach, Levante Taylor. Um, if Virginia Tech can keep guys like Levante Taylor in state, they might be. Uh, contending for uh, as soon as they can. Um, first coach fired, I think this is going to be unanimous. Uh, Steve Adazio is going to be the first one fired. I think he's going to be the only one fired in this conference. I think you have a lot of new new coaches in here, a lot of coaches that I think that are at programs that will be patient with them, like Dave Clawson. I think that he would be the next in line if someone were to get fired, but I don't think he's going to because – I because Wake Forest just seems like one of those programs like Purdue. They just, as long as he does, as long as he runs a clean program and wins at a higher clip than he did last year, which is not much uh, of a significant improvement, then they will be happy with him. So I think that uh, Dave Clawson will be safe this year. Maybe he's got to show them next year. So 
Uh, that's my picks. Uh, I know it's probably a little bit different than what I put on the spreadsheet. but It's all you know, good. It's all good, Coach. Um, well, Josh, uh, you and me have the exact same finish in the Atlantic. Florida State, Clemson, Louisville, NC State, Syracuse, Wake Forest, BC. The Coastal got Miami edging out UNC and Pitt on a tight three-team race. Uh, then Duke, middle of the pack. Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and the Who's coming in last. Uh, my ACC champ is Florida State over Miami, Offensive Player of the Year, and someone who will definitely be in New York, Dalvin Cook, running back from Florida State. My Defensive Player of the Year also comes from Florida State is Safety Derwin James, Coach of the Year, Newcomer Mark Rick, and my Rookie of the Year also from Clemson, but not Dexter Lawrence, cornerback Trayvon Mullen. Look for a guy to come in and replace Mackenzie Alexander right away, uh, plug-and-play guy. Uh, he'll be a starter than off the league. I'm really, really high on so, um, so that was our ACC season preview. Um, join us next time where we'll be talking about the Big 12. Uh, no divisions there, so we'll be doing all 10 Big 12 teams at once. So um, any last words? I didn't pick uh, – did I, did I tell you that Florida State was going to beat Miami in a, in a barn burner for the ACC title? If not, that's, that's how I see that game going. All right. Josh? Yeah, should we have talked about Notre Dame? <laughs> uh, we, we, we can talk Notre Dame at, at, at the, ne- the next time around. But, uh, uh, you know, for right now, uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to Notre Dame uh, in one of these days. But uh, this is going to wrap up our ACC pod for the time being. So, on behalf of the coach, Corey Burton, and on behalf of yeah. Big Ten and counting blogger Josh Cook. This is the professor, Matt Perkins, saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.